Welcome to Reactive! Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Raquel Velez, and with me I have Khalil! Hello! It is me! It's-a me! It's-a me! And unfortunately, Henning is not with us because he is uh, riding alligators to his actual new home. Uh, I think yes. uh, today or tomorrow is when they're when they're really moving, really, really moving into their flat or, or house or whatever. So, yes. So he yes. may be excused. <laughs> <clears throat> but alligators, we have some fun facts. Today's animal is the alligator, um, and uh, so a lot of people often confuse alligators with crocodiles. They are related, but they are not the same. Um, Alligators have a wider mouth, um, and when they close it, you can actually see all of the teeth uh, on the on the upper jaw. So, cool. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I, so I have one. Kind of I cool. have one. Um, yeah. Alligators are ecosystem engineers. Did you know that? Oh, because alligators. Yeah, because alligators play an important role in their wetland ecosystems by creating small ponds. Um, known as alligator holes. Alligator holes retain water during the dry season and provide habitats for other animals. Wow. That's amazing. Did did you know, though, that alligator (laughs) eggs become male or female depending on the temperature, which means that uh, if you want a male alligator... You put it in warmer temperatures, and if you want a female alligator, you put it in cooler temperatures. I don't know how that works, but yeah, I also I also have that on my list. Also, what's interesting (laughs) is uh, female alligators are devoted to are are devoted moms. Female alligators build nests made of vegetation, sticks, leaves, and mud near a body of water. As the vegetation decays, it heats up and keeps the eggs warm. She stays near the nest throughout the 65-day incubation period, protecting it from intruders. When the eggs are ready to hatch, the young alligators make high-pitched noises from inside their eggs. This causes their mother to start digging uh, them out of the nest and carrying her, her babies down to the water in her jaws. She, she may protect her young for up to a year. Hey, so big up alligator moms. Very cool. Okay, okay, last fact, last fact. Um, So while alligators have very powerful jaws, right, like they can shut really, really hard, the muscles that open them are actually quite weak. So an adult human, not saying you should try this at home, kids, don't try this at home, um, or should I just say Henning, because Henning's the one living next to the alligators. Um, you can, a human can hold an alligator's mouth shut because oh. the force of the human uh, holding the, the jaws closed uh, is greater than the the muscle strength that the alligator has to open its jaw. So. <clears throat> wow. Cool. Yeah. Okay, I have a last yeah. one. Alligator uh, alligator courtship is sophisticated. At the start of the spring breeding season, males bellow to attract females. The bellows have an infrasonic component that can, can cause the surface of the water around the male to ripple and dance. Other courtship rituals include head slapping on the water surface, <laughs> snout and back rubbing, and blowing bubbles. Blowing bubbles? Amazing. <laughs> This is cool. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, humans should try that too. Like, 
Yeah. Just hitting right, your head friends. on the water and making bubbles. Next, I think that's yes. could work. Next time next time you go out on a date, just <laughs> make bubbles in your drink. <laughs> I just want to see everybody just start doing that. Just <laughs> yeah, right, okay. And create and bellow be... so it creates ripples around you. Yeah. <laughs> when you're like swimming in the sea or something. Okay, cool. So so that's that. Mm-hmm. You were in mm-hmm. Iceland, we heard. I was. We saw. Oh my goodness. I was at JSConf Iceland and it was super fun. Super, super, super fun. Um a lot of really interesting talks. Um the the combination or the types of talks to me it was kind of like a there were like the the types of talks tended to be a little bit more practical uh minded as opposed to uh some other conferences where they're like all right what's the what's the most unbelievable totally wild far-fetched type of javascript you could ever come up with let's talk about those um they didn't really do that at this one. This one was really more about like, hey, let's understand how performance works in React. Or, hey, let's talk about um, over time, how did how did we learn about UX uh, working with users? Um, you know, different, like actually useful everyday types of stuff. There was one talk uh, by Vitaly from uh, Smashing Magazine and he he did a talk on like dirty little secrets of CSS. Um, so like things that you're like, well, this CSS is really nasty, but sometimes the, the a designer comes in and says, hey, I want this to happen, make it happen, and like just leaves the room and you're like, well, I'm about to write some really nasty CSS to make this happen, <laughs> let's do it. Um, I learned all about HSL versus RGB. Mm-hmm. I am sold. Sold. I I will never use RGB again. Done. HSL forever. (laughs) It's actually very intuitive, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I love intuitive. Hate RGB. Yeah. I am team HSL all the way. Game over. (laughs) Yeah, I remember. I remember back in the day when Paul Irish was more active, um, Mm -hmm. like. active in the sense of he uh you know did videos and uh more talks mm-hmm. and was writing and all this kind of stuff he was propagating hsl uh over rgb and everything else and i think he made a cool little cool little website or yeah and there it is mother f in hsl um that that can can where you can play around with HSL. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Look it up. Yeah, the HSL talk at at JSConf Iceland in, included uh, ukulele music. <clears throat> cool. Like like live live ukulele uh, songs. It was it was pretty great. It was great. pretty great. Sounds um, good. Yeah, I also gave a talk. I thought it went pretty well. Uh, I, talked- I think I saw like the last five minutes of it live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was a live stream, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, I was also really surprised because something like 80% of the audience, it was their first JSConf ever. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, which is kind of different from the previous JSConfs I've been to. Yeah. It's only been like you know 50%. It's their first or or maybe even less. So that was pretty that was pretty neat it was a, kind of a an opportunity 
And I think I think having the live stream actually helped a lot, even more, because um, there's a really huge JS or JavaScript community in Iceland. They have mm. meetups every month that have over a hundred people, and this is wow. teeny tiny Iceland with three hundred thousand people on the island, yeah. <laughs> and and they get a hundred some odd people at their meetups every every month. So that's pretty amazing. Mm. Unfortunately, uh, not everybody could make it because. Everyone else in the world was like, "Oh my God, I want to go to Iceland!" And they the mm. the conference sold out of tickets before they could, you know, save them for everybody uh, in Iceland. So mm. um, they had a live stream, which I thought was really good. Yeah, and that's great. Um, yeah, yeah, it was pretty awesome. I got to uh, I got to go snorkeling Ooh, in nice. um, in a in a really cool. So there's so one fun fact about Iceland. Um, there's an area in Iceland where the tectonic plates of the North American and the Eurasian tectonic plates meet in Iceland, in the middle of Iceland. <laughs> and you can go snorkeling over them um, wow. because there's a lake over them and or like in one spot. And um, so I got to go snorkeling and uh, the water is glacial water. So from from like there's a glacier in Iceland, and so the water was three degrees Celsius. Ooh, crazy! <laughs> oh, God. So I wore a dry suit, and okay. I was fine. That good. was good. Good. Um, and the the water was so so the glacial water actually so. Uh, Iceland is also volcanic and so there's volcanic rock all over the place mm-hmm. and this glacial water takes 30 years to seep through the volcanic rock and that means that it's really clear, really pure and so you can see when you go snorkeling or scuba diving in this lake, you can see for up to 200 meters just straight up no problem. Wow. It just completely clear. It was Amazing. Mm. The downside, though, if you've ever have you ever been snorkeling, no. Khalil? Okay. Um, so, but, but basically, it, it's pretty basic, right? Like you have this little tube that sticks out of the water yep. while your head is kind of face down with goggles. Um, and the key piece to this is you. There's a mouthpiece to the tube so that you can breathe out of the tube mm-hmm. uh, without breathing in the water. Um, but in order for this to work, you have to keep your lips perfectly closed around the mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. But when you're in three degree water, water <laughs> your lips go numb, and mm-hmm. then the water seeps in. <laughs> mm-hmm. So every two minutes, I'd be like, "Oh no, I'm drowning! I'm drowning!" <clears throat> um, and then I, and then I would drink the water because it's really clear and clean, and it's actually the best tasting water I've ever had in my entire life. Wow! It was so good. Wow, so that clean. sounds amazing. Yeah. So next time you're in Iceland, go snorkeling um, and go, like, basically go to JSConf Iceland. It's a really, really cool event. There was a Viking party. Um, there, <laughs> I learned the meaning of my middle name, uh, which happens to be Nordic, um, unbeknownst to my own parents. And uh, yeah, so what is super fun. What is name? My middle name is Dagmar. Oh wow! Yeah, it sounds very <laughs> Nordic. Yeah. Yeah, it's super Nordic, um, and it basically means uh, like daughter of the day or maiden of the day. Hmm. Uh, and it's funny because 
I hate it when it's cloudy outside. I love the sunshine. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, conference organizers, if you want your, if, if you are currently located in like kind of a, a cloudy, dreary area, I have a 98% success rate in making sure a conference has mostly sunny days. <laughs> like, fact. Every time I go to a conference, even if it's in Portland or Iceland or Scotland, uh, <laughs> it is sunny for like 98% of the time. So, just so you know, if you well, want a nice sunny day for your conference, invite me. Yes. Carry Thanks. on. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> How have you been? <laughs> Good. Good, good, good. Um, not much has changed so far uh, when it comes to what I'm doing. Um, although I have, um, I don't know, you didn't uh, listen to the last episode, did you? Not yet. Okay, yeah. It's no problem. <laughs> But um, so I was talking about uh, t- uh, making a little application with um, Electron and, mm. and React a little like it's like a it's like a little app that you can use to make drafts for tweets or just you know tiny drafts that's why it's called tiny draft <clears throat> and it's it's just um like you know to exercise writing an application and trying out react and trying out Ele- electron and so far it's really it's really really fun what i really like about electron i mean there's really not much You need to know about Electron besides that there is an API that you know, does things that you might have to look into when you get to that point. Like, for instance, if you ha- want to open another window and you want to communicate between between you know, the main window and the other window, or you want to do some processing in the background, you can open another window for that, make it invisible, <clears throat> and do some like mm-hmm. heavy number crunching in that thread. And... Um, Stuff like that. But other than that, you can just get started really quickly. And it's really cool that you can use, you can just basically use ES6 in the browser because because it uses Chromium and all of ES6 basically is implemented besides maybe a few things like imports and something else. I don't know. Um, so that's really cool. And you also have the Node API um, accessible. Uh, through mm. just require and in the browser directly and stuff like that and <clears throat> the only thing is that I w- I'm using React so I do have to do it I have to do this one compile step step with Babel um, in order to compile the the JSX into you no know, JavaScript thing but I'm not com- I'm not compiling anything else it's just the JSX that gets compiled into JavaScript into ES6 mm-hmm. and then it. Uh, It just runs. Is this this is so cool? And it's just and it's I I would say like um, if you if you you know do a casual project on the side with JavaScript just for yourself or maybe also something you might want to release. Um, Electron is really perfect because it reduces the workload so immensely uh, because you don't have to care about other browsers. You just care about that one browser that is incredibly powerful and capable and uh and and the whole electron setup makes it really easy to get started and to play around with it the only thing is that when you write an electron app you might have other requirements to your application than you would have with a web app 
for instance, because it's just different. It's just a in different interface because especially if you want to, because I'm just saying that because I want to open for, to, to draft a tweet. I want to open a new window, a new electron window that is just the little tiny draft editor, basically. And then I have to have those two windows communicate. And that's something that you wouldn't do in the browser. You would just like have a pop-up or a new, you know, just an editor in the same view. Um, mm. So that's interesting. That's it's a little bit different there, but um, but uh, yeah. But other than that, it's it's you can if you have a simple little thing you want to do, you can spend you know a little bit a little bit of time every now and then, and you can get something that you can actually use if you solve a problem for yourself or for somebody. So that's, uh, that's it's cool. yeah. It is really it's really nice. I really want to play with Electron. You have to. It's really. Cool. I know. I have to, but I'm too busy doing 75 other things <laughs> well then details uh, just details, build I build something uh for npm well no you can't you don't do that anymore you're a manager now so maybe you can <laughs> i got to code today i got to code today oh. <laughs> but Great. Yeah, no it's not real code it's breaking things up in smaller pieces but anyway it's fine that's also good <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness! So yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, that's super awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 other than that, uh, I mean, uh, you know, like went to IKEA and had like you know, building up cupboards and the little baby bed and everything. <laughs> but that's that's really that you know building that little bed. That's going to be at the side of our bed is is that makes it that it start it's kind of getting real now it's just like, yeah oh <laughs> yeah that was cool yeah yeah and what's going well, on what's going on with you besides the the whole Iceland uh, yeah. tour um I mean not too much like I I got back from Iceland and it took me a day I guess to get over the jet lag and then just went straight back into work and so you know just very american work work, work. Yeah. yes i know um <laughs> da, 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 da. okay um yes i'm super american um but okay so i know i'm allergic to space but um anyone who's in well i don't know if this is true Okay, when I was a kid um, in, in school, we had computer labs, and uh, there was a screensaver that you could run, and it was uh, the screensaver basically, I don't know how they did it, but I think it was some sort of like distributed processing, data processing sort of thing, where this group called SETI, which, oh, what is uh, SETI... What does it stand for? Uh, it's like s search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, they would do these, like they would basically crunch a bunch of numbers across all of these different screens or all these different computers and all these different computer labs throughout the country, at least in the United States, to see if they could find any aliens. Mm. And... Uh, it was like kind of a thing. And then earlier this week, yesterday, I think yesterday, maybe two days, hmm. two days ago, they they maybe got a signal 
in deep space. Ooh. And they're like, oh my God, the aliens, they're here. We found them. Um, it only took 20 years, at least since I was a kid. Uh, except now they're saying it might, might've just been a blip. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't that always happen? <laughs> I mean, I'm perfectly okay with this because the idea of of things living in space, much less just the general notion of space, is just too much for my tiny brain to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not tiny. My brain is very big. Uh, delicate. <laughs> my delicate brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's better. <laughs> <clears throat> so I thought that was kind of... Funny. Did you did you have anything like that when like in Germany did did they have uh, screensavers for checking for extraterrestrial intelligence? I have no idea. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it was a really cool looking screensaver. So, and actually, they now that have. I know how com- now that I know how computers work, I kind of wonder how they did that. Like, did it <laughs> phone home? I don't. I don't know. Uh. But no. I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. So I thought that was interesting. That's um, interesting, yeah. Uh, oh, a, a very sad event happened while I was in Iceland. And that is? I stopped playing Pokemon Go. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah. I caught, I caught a Mr. Mime... And then and I was like, this is really exciting because it's, it's, it's a European-only Pokemon. Uh-huh. So I have the North American-only Pokemon and I have the, the European-only America- European Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to Asia later this year, so I might be able to get the Asian Pokemon. Mm. But I hit level 22 and I was just like, I'm done. And, and what, what, what do you mean? What triggered, what triggered that? It just, I don't know. It just, it, it didn't feel like... So I, I tried going to gyms. Uh, to kind of battle my little Pokemons, and they're, it, I don't know, it just wasn't fun anymore. Hmm. And apparently, apparently, I'm not the only one. Hmm. Apparently, it's kind of like worldwide, people are suddenly dropping off. Like the user base is just <laughs> it's like, like everybody at the same time. That's yeah, crazy. it's. I mean, I think the creators of the game figured that people would start dropping out around levels 21, 22, uh-huh. um, and that's fine. But like, I think because so many people started at the same time, they're all getting to the same levels at around the same time. And everyone's like, and I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. And also, I mean, it's not a very interesting game, really. I mean, there's not much happening. You're just leveling up with your Pokemon and what happened then? I mean, you're collecting them. You're collecting Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, you're collecting right? them. And collecting is a is a strong drive. Like human people, yeah. humans like to collect things. Yes. But it, but it only goes so far. Yeah. Like you need you need some yeah. gameplay now. Like go on an uh, adventure with like a little team of Pokemon and they have different strength and like role playing or something like that. Yeah. You know, like the role. Uh, it needs to be kind of like games. a World of Warcraft. It needs to be like a world yes. of, of Pokemon craft. You know, and, and, and then... Uh, and then you have to, but instead of sitting at home and playing that game, you have to walk around in, in the real world yes. and play that game. That would be cool. And then That would be cool. Yeah. You could have like little missions and mm-hmm. then, you know, fights going on. That would only happen on your phone, of course, not in the right. real world. And uh, <laughs> that, would be, that, would be really, that would be really fun. That would be also very innovative. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what I expected to happen. Maybe it's also still, maybe it is still coming <clears throat> because I'm sure that's way more complicated than what they are doing now, right? So, yeah. yeah but see, like, like the, the world was captivated. Yes. And now they're bored. <laughs> and the world is bored. The question is, the question is, is there like a limited amount of time before you can bring the world back to captivated? I don't know. It's a difficult task. Yeah, they could lose. Yeah. They could definitely lose momentum, and you never yeah. know. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on it. We will. We'll keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I have a little follow up for, from the last episode because uh, last episode I was talking about what a functor is. Um, I like to say functor. It's, it reminds me of Skeletor. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so because I was reading this little functional programming book and and it explained to me to a certain degree what a functor is and um and I did a bad job uh, of a, a bad job at explaining it on the podcast and also I I was also not um like I just read a little bit about it and it was interesting to me and I just spoke about it but I m made some mistakes and um P what's his name uh, at Passy Passy P-A-S-S-Y on Twitter I think he works at Twitter also um, he sent me some tweets um, regarding functors and uh, so basically um, I said that the functor has to have an off as an OF an off function but um, or method but that is actually not true And I also called functors mappable, which is also not true. Basically, mappable is a type class. And, and the off method is part, part of something called applicative, which is also, I think, a type class, he said, which I also don't really know what a type class is. So I, I have a lot of more reading to do before I can really break it down. So I just wanted, <laughs> wanted, to, <laughs> just wanted to follow up on that. Yeah. But it was awesome uh, to have somebody, you know, Uh, correct me and send some friendly mm -hmm. tweets about that. It was great. Um, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, so, so I see, I see uh, that. Uh, well, I heard that uh, Uber is trying to um, uh, is trying out autonom autonomous cars in Pittsburgh. Yes. Yes. So, how I've, autonomous are those cars actually? I, I don't, I don't know. Um, my understanding is that they haven't actually tried them in the rain yet. Um, so it's only <laughs> on sunny days. And okay. the the driver cannot communicate with the passenger. The, dri the but there's passenger, a driver. Okay. So like, you know, so, okay. So in order for this to work, you still have to have a human driver. Mm -hmm. Even if they're not actually driving anything, at least right. for now. And they still have um, to hold the wheel. Um. So, okay. They shouldn't touch the wheel. Oh, really? Well, it depends on how these autonomous cars are being built. So, once upon a time, I used to work on autonomous cars. Um, and it is the freakiest, weirdest thing ever if you are sitting in a car that is driving itself. Yeah. And at least in the cars that I was in, and this, it may have just been, you know, so early days that it, this is whatever. Um, but you couldn't touch the steering wheel while the car was in motion okay. because the um the way that it works is that the the car jerks the the steering wheel back and forth just like tow, 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 
Mm-hmm. And um, if you are holding on and onto the steering wheel and it moves in a direction very quickly that you weren't expecting, then all of a sudden you could break your arm because the force okay. from the from okay. the machine could be a lot stronger than your um, your delicate you know meat muscles. Um, you know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so so you have to worry about that. Um, now, I guess it's possible that maybe they figured out a way to isolate the steering column, uh, like the steering wheel from the rest of the steering column. So when it's in autonomous mode, the steering wheel doesn't actually do anything. Um, that would make a lot of sense to me in retrospect. Uh, so we'll see. The reason it's in Pittsburgh is because Carnegie Mellon is the is one of the universities of Pittsburgh, and they have the Robotics Institute, which is, you know, an entire mm. graduate school, mm-hmm. purely focused on robotics. Um, mm. They they won the DARPA Grand Challenge, kind of the f- second version of it. Um, they. I don't know if they won. They definitely got in the top three. Um, but basically, they're really into self-driving cars, and they've done a lot of research on it. But it definitely makes me wonder, right? Like, if Uber's trying self-driving cars, then what are they going to do with all the people that they've hired? Which, let's be real, the stories coming out of people working for Uber are not necessarily the greatest stories. Mm. Um show no they were already there they are already very clear about that they're Mm. just basically saying they're going where the market is going basically and because self-driving cars are going to be a reality at some point and it would be stupid for them just Mm -hmm. cost wise not to use self-driving cars from from when it's actually feasible to do so Mm-hmm. I, I I've been hearing about uh, self-driving cars on various podcasts, um, and there were people on there that, on some of them that did a lot of research, and from from from, from what I've, from what I understand is that the these self-driving car projects that are currently experimenting, they are actually not that far along. Like the the cars yeah. need a lot of help in mm-hmm. order to be self driving. Um, mm-hmm. Like for instance, the Google self driving cars. I don't know how it is right now, but in the beginning, especially when they were driving around, I don't know Mountain View or something like that. They mm-hmm. uh, they they had all the streets completely mapped out already, and you know in the computer of the car. And um, and they had this 3D scanner up top, and and because they already had the maps, and plus they have the 3D scanner. I don't know. Like there's just a lot. Like if you don't have, if the streets are a certain way, and and they're not, uh, the streets are not properly properly uh, mapped out as a 3D model already. Um, mm-hmm. what, you know the streets that the car is driving on. Then. Uh, you know catastrophe ensues like it just know where it is and mm-hmm. will drive onto things and 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 other so other stories like that so basically mm-hmm. the also yeah the tesla uh, also the tesla thing is is far away from self-driving tesla cars can i think they can you know stay in a lane um on the on the motorway and mm-hmm. And but you definitely have to be alert, and you always have to be ready to to um, 
take action and mm-hmm. you know yeah take over yeah yeah to take over and like there's really no like it's just it's basically like um what is that other thing called that w- where you can just like uh say okay car only uh, uh or tell the car to to, to drive a constant uh speed what's that mm-hmm. called again oh it has a name like yeah uh, i think different manufacturers have different names for it um yeah and uh, anyway, oh, 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 oh cruise control cruise control cruise, exactly cruise control yeah. so it's basically it's just a little bit above of cruise control because it can uh change lanes and stuff like that i think mm-hmm. also um but you st- you definitely just like with cruise control you have to pay attention to the road and you have to you know mm-hmm. uh like you, it's not like you can just fall asleep or drink coffee and you know read a newspaper <laughs> or something like that what which is kind mm-hmm. of the vision of it right you want people you basically want to end up in a place where there is no driver at all and you just people in the back <laughs> having fun or something or working <laughs> or <whatever. laughs> yeah no not so much um yeah, I I so I worked on on various cars in the kind of late two thousands, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're idiots. Uh, the cars, the cars, <laughs> yeah. the cars are idiots. Um, there was this great. Uh, so I did the DARPA Grand Challenge in two thousand three, two thousand four. Okay, mm-hmm. so maybe it was like in the two thousands, um, and we we I. I participated with the team and we went to this big competition and there was this like what was essentially a monster truck it was like a massive truck and it was definitely a utility truck um Mm -hmm. and it was big and it was green and like it was just so huge and once it went out we were like oh my goodness that thing's gonna crush everybody it's gonna be whatever and when it went out on the course it got stuck because it saw a little bush like a little bush i'm talking um maybe a foot high which is what's a foot like 30 centimeters Mm -hmm. not really like it's it 20 centimeters call it 20 centimeters high and it couldn't it it was just like ah there's a bush and so it just it would it would like reverse and then Mm -hmm. it would look and say oh it's it's a bush it's fine and then it'd go forward and it it was just the wrong angle when it went forward that it thought it was like a rock and was like i'm gonna not be able to do anything and so it just sat there for i don't know three hours just going back and forth and back and forth (laughs) over past this bush and it was just like oh my god this is (laughs) you're you're an idiot um (laughs) uh yeah so like this is a really 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 hard problem uh yeah the only reason why humans are capable of driving is because our brains are capable of taking taking in all of this information at very high fidelity and mm-hmm. spin it all in a way that we can get a general understanding of the world. And we have, you know, machine learning, and it's great, but uh, or not machine learning. We have our own personal learning, um, and uh, we can, you know, we, we have these amazing neural networks that allow us to just combine everything and you know we learn and we experience and we can extrapolate data very quickly robots not so much it's it's too hard our computers are still too slow um our ability to merge multiple streams of data together at once is still too hard like time data and interpolation and uh it's just it's so much math and so much estimation and physics and oh my god it's just Mm -hmm. 
it's really hard. And so I am not surprised. But, I mean, it's it's cool that I think uh, car manufacturers are, are playing around with this idea. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just not sure how long we'll get it, like, how long until we actually have it. I think with, with uh, pilots or um, aircraft, they have autopilot, right, which is actually quite sophisticated, but it's a lot easier because you don't have, you know, buildings and curbs and people yeah. walking across and uh, street lights and all those things. Like, you just have the air. You just have the sky. As long as everybody's at their different altitudes, it's mm-hmm. fine. No one will ever collide. Yeah. Um, so... So okay. what do you think? Like, do you think we'll have completely autonomous cars in ten years, or what do you think? no? No, I think yeah. I think we'll have a pretty pretty good approximation in ten yeah. years. Um, but I hesitate to say that we'll all just be sitting in these little cars uh, <clears throat> and just say, "Hey, take me to work," and then we can continue like you know working on our own. Uh, without any drivers or anything. Now, now that said, if we were to completely ban humans from driving, and uh-huh. all of the cars yeah, that were would be different, automated, right? it'd be a completely yeah. different story. That I think yeah. is almost easier uh-huh. because then you don't have, um, like, as long as there's like some central network that says here's where everybody's going and how they go, and there are no hackers trying to mess with it. Mm-hmm. Which you know, I'm asking for a lot already. Um, oh, yeah. that, is, that is a lot. That's true. <laughs> then, Security with those things must be yeah, absolutely oh abhorrent. Yeah. Abhorrent. Um, then, as long as you don't have people involved, because oh. then feelings happen. As long as it's completely yeah. 100% logical and analytical, I think we could have something like that in 10 years. But the geopolitical nature of our of our world uh, will make that impossible. So, Trump can do it. No. No, oh God! No! <laughs> ah! Sorry. Ah! Um, Excuse me while I um, stab the microphone. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but what are you saying? What do you say about um, self-driving um, trucks for like getting you know huge amounts of things from A to B oh, yeah. and them just driving on the all the lane up to the right and all this i mean this could be more realistic that just yes. at s- some point this like uh no like trucks have to be self-driving and they get their own lane for instance yeah on the I like, think, motorway something like that i think that is far more likely especially in the united states where um besides the coasts like in the middle of the country I want to say like 90% of the middle of the country is just empty. It's just And empty straight space. lines, right? Super straight. straight lines. You yeah. can go 90 miles an hour and just go mm-hmm. straight. And as long as you never change the angle of your steering wheel, you yeah. will you will just keep on going and there's nothing to stop you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I think I think we could absolutely make that part happen. And I think that would be a very welcome thing. I know that there are people who drive into the middle of the night and it's great for them because they make money but they're so tired and it's 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 such a dangerous job because you're tired and you're driving and you're driving a lot of like really important stuff and then if you fall asleep at the wheel that's really really dangerous um so why have people you know 
worry about that. Let's just have somebody who has to babysit the car, but not necessarily have to drive. Um, and I think I think that would I think that makes a lot of sense. If that's I think that's within the next five to ten years for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, though. Um, it just reminds me because you're saying that people would u- lose their jobs, and that, of course, would be a huge factor of or a huge thing happening. Definitely, mm-hmm. like when the Uber cabs and maybe other cab companies also just straight up cabs and the truck drivers uh, and yeah. the trucks would be all self driving, then um, that would definitely de- demolish a lot of jobs. And uh, it's actually. Was it, it's it's interesting to like the, like people have to be careful and pay attention to that because there was an interesting story that um, um, this guy said like the, uh, on a YouTube video a guy was telling the story that his his um, his grandfather no his father has a lot of friends they they come from Russia is so. Th- his father has a lot of French friends that own cab companies in New York or something like that or New Jersey and they 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 um you know they came from Russia built up the ca- the cab company started as a cab driver and then you know got to uh, own their own cab companies at some point and um and he was basically telling them with Uber and everything what's coming is going to be the, the, a lot of business is going to be taken away from them and those guys were like uh never you know like ha 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 whatever and now and they were ready to retire basically and now uber has really really making has made their business or taken away a lot of their business and and they uh they're making a lot less money already these things are just um, this is just um yeah really it it can go really quickly if you don't pay attention to that Mm -hmm. to that stuff And then the question is really good. What you know? What do you do? You have to go with the times yourself and kind of in, reinvent yourself, and mm-hmm. it's difficult. I'm, I'm, but yeah. it's, it's really dangerous to ignore mm-hmm. what's happening basically in the world because this whole self-driving car thing is definitely. I mean, it's very clear that it will be, it will be there soon at some point. Yeah, yeah. I think I definitely definitely agree. I think in general, it will result in. Um, kind of more requirement or more need for uh, a, a different skill set amongst the the work population um, or the working mm-hmm. population, um, and so that's going to be an interesting kind of uh, evolution in terms of our society and our culture. Um, yeah. So that should be really interesting to see how that pans out. I think, I think it's a little short-sighted when people are like they're gonna the j- robots are gonna take our jobs. Um, like yeah. yeah, but they're probably gonna take the jobs that you didn't want anyway. Um, yeah. Now they're like there there will always be people who will take a job no matter what job, and um, that's that's important because you know there are a lot of people out there who need jobs and they will do anything. They don't even care what it just. whatever Um, but I think we need to be a little bit more conscientious about what kind of jobs are available and and what kind of or who out there needs a job and what 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 skill sets do they have and can we give them more skill sets um, and can we provide more opportunities for learning and education and 
and just having a uh, more skilled workforce so that the robots can do the things that really either no one wants to do or really no one should do, like crab fishing. That is a really, really dangerous yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are people doing it? That is so dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. You know, or making cars or whatever. Yeah. Anyway. That's interesting. As I heard, I, heard uh, I listened to an interview today, just today. Um, it was an interview with the CEO of Mon- Munchery, I think the company's called. Okay. And so, and it's a... I think uh, it's a startup. I think it's from San Francisco. I'm not sure. Um, it's built up. It's built, or uh, the CEO is. He's from Vietnam, and he like uh, his. He had a crazy story where his grandma, he like his parents put his grandma and him into a boat to to flee from Vietnam in the 80s or something like that. So some crazy story. Wow. So he he uh, so he landed in America. He went to school, went to MIT and everything. You know, he 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 built uh, this company, Munchery. And it's really interesting uh, what they do because you you hear about all these like food delivery companies in uh, San Francisco and how they're failing and. Mm-hmm. They are actually doing. They're not only de- delivering in San Francisco, but they're only also delivering in other uh, places in other cities in America. And uh, just a lot of interesting facts about them. Like they, what they do is basically they create, um, they make um, like f- um, food boxes for you, like l- lunches that you can just or dinners that you can just uh, heat up. They have chefs kind of building them and making them perfectly for the for just so that you just have to heat them up in an oven and they taste good and all this kind of stuff. And because they're doing it on such a large scale and they, they have like the, these industrial ovens that keep um, that keep a temperature and humidity and everything, like they can do everything, cook the food so much more efficiently and... Um, and uh, they need much less space than you would need in a restaurant, of course, because mm-hmm. you don't have people running around and all this stuff. So they can, because they're at scale, they can actually, you know, a meal, like a nice steak meal costs like $10, which is super cheap. And apparently it's healthy and all that stuff. So that was super interesting. And during that interview, they were mentioning how, um, I think that is specific to San Francisco though, how there is now like a higher need for de- people to do deliveries because there's all these like you know how you were saying mm. like wash my laundry companies and stuff like that but because <laughs> of because of that because of all these ideas and services to to basically save people time right um there is there's this high need for basically so to speak unskilled workers to do deliveries and also but also because you need a human face a human interface for the company that is basically faceless or there's just a just a website representing the company right uh, mm-hmm. that's w- something specifically what Mon- with this Munchery CEO said like they don't use like external people to do deliveries they have their own people and train them and make sure that and, and you know they do the rigorous hiring to make sure that these people are super uh, service oriented and nice and stuff like that so, so that they represent the company correctly and all this kind of stuff when they deliver the food and it was interesting to see how you know just what you just said like we're thinking that you know robo- robots are going to take all the jobs away but then you know other things happen and suddenly there's a shortage um, for f- a shortage for people f- f- that are for with you know like unskilled 
for unskilled workers basically and mm-hmm. and 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 the the salaries are also going up for them mm. so yeah it's uh, so it's like they're just forces moving from one spectrum to another <laughs> but and uh, yeah it's interesting yeah because everybody has this just like horror scenario in their head that n- nobody's going to have work anymore everybody's going to be mm-hmm. This is going to be poor people or basically dying people in the trenches and rich people. And that's that's all there is going to be. But it seems like that's oh. not how it's working out. <laughs> no. No. Or we can just all move to Iceland and it'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be fine, yeah. There's Arctic foxes there. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, all right. So what else is going on? Also, Jen Schiffer, um, she posted a yes. new article, uh, which is just amazing. That I, I just the, she posted a new Medium article um, mm-hmm. is what I mean, uh, which is like Medium is like her satirical outlet, and mm-hmm. it's just um, uh, I'm not gonna try to because you have to read it. Like it doesn't make sense to sum it up or anything. But the the title is responsive web considered harmful, and there's some beautiful. You can even just go through that, scroll over the article, and just read the highlighted stuff. <laughs> it's, um, it's just million-dollar quotes in there. She's the best. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And I also want to recommend another article that I read. Uh, it's by Andre Stoltz, who is the author of Cycle JS. And he um, wrote this article um, titled, Is Your JavaScript Function Actually Pure? And basically, it, it helped me to understand um, a little better what the concept of a pure function really is. Okay. Um, yeah, because in, in, in JavaScript um, now you hear a lot about functional programming and um, you hear a lot of, about pure functions. And no, when somebody explains what a pure function is, then in, in JavaScript they mostly say that it's, um, it's a function that always returns the same thing when you, when you pass it the same um, arguments. Right, so if it's a function that sums up two arguments, you pass them one and two, it will always return three. And um, in JavaScript, <clears throat> and that is definitely a pure function in like Elm or PureScript and other functional programming languages that are just functional programming languages. But in JavaScript, it's not necessarily pure because somebody could like uh, do something to your to your what was it like if you have to pass an array like you could you could you could um do something with the value of function of that array and put a math random in there so that it always generates different values and then whenever you pass something you would you uh, something uh you would always have like um results that would always be different and um because because the JavaScript language is so flexible, so it's conceivable that during runtime, some you know, some piece of your code does something to that code that changes the outcome of this um, uh, function. So it is it is pure if if you make sure that only specific um, that that the arguments are actually um, always 
of the right type or not null um, and you know the array um, the array type or the array function has not been um, tampered with in any way and um, so you have to put all these safeguards in there if you want to make sure in JavaScript it's really really pure and so he came up with a with a new definition or a basic better question to ask instead of asking is this JavaScript function pure because you can't really have because you can't really have JavaScript functions pure. It's better to ask, does this function behave like a mathematical function? Because mathematical functions are always pure. Does this function, this JavaScript function I have here, behave like a mathematical function in this specific scenario that I use it in? And th that is basically a more precise way to uh, to talk about the sort of purity, so to speak, that we have in JavaScript. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend reading this article. It's, it's very interesting and uh, nicely explained. And I always learn a lot from his articles. So that's really cool. Cool. Very cool. Yes. And I think we have reached our time for today. I think we have. Um so I think we have new people as well. Oh, yes, it's true. Let's see. <clears throat> so two people joined today. Um, or this week. Or is it today? I think I saw them today, this morning, I think. for This morning, German time is mm. when I saw them. Oh, yeah. So, we do have two. We, so we've gotten... Uh, all right. So one is Prism from New York, and the other is Colin yes. from I don't know where. But then Colin I think we also Brown. had... Wait. So shout out, first of all, to those two. Yes. And uh, let's see. How long ago was the 27th? Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Tivu... Tivu? Oh, yeah. And Double Aaron. Tivu. <laughs> That's Tim. Tivu is actually, um, he is a friend. He is, he's been, uh, he worked as a junior developer at um, my pre the, pr the company I was previously working for. Okay. For the company. Yeah. So, so <laughs> it's, uh, so it was very, it was very cool to see him in the chat, mm -hmm. but he's not, he just came in and said hi and never was seen again <laughs> so <laughs> come back <laughs> yeah and uh, then and double Aaron as well so welcome double Aaron, yes yeah welcome welcome, welcome. welcome. um awesome. super exciting uh and yeah do we have any reviews uh let me see uh check fido fido.search.sh if anybody wants to check uh, any sort of uh, review uh, podcast reviews and we're still um, still stable at the amount of reviews we had last <laughs> week so, uh, okay well who knows? Maybe fine that's a good thing. well anyway I mean dear wonderful listeners please 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 leave us a review preferably a nice one um, on iTunes, you can you can find the link to do that on our show notes, which are located at reactive.audio. That's correct, and you can also reach us um, on Twitter at reactivepod, and I'm Khalil Tweets on Twitter, and uh, Henning is uh, at hgladagots on the Twitter, <laughs> and and I'm Rockbot 
on the Twitters. And uh, that's right. Yeah. So again, remember today's episode was brought to you by the Alligator. And next week, <laughs> we'll have something pretty fun and exciting. Do we have any other questions that people want answered? Uh, oh, yeah. We, we always, uh, so last time we answered one question, and uh, we said this time we're going to ask you that question, and then next time we'll continue with more questions. Okay. Um, All right. And the question was, uh, milk with tea, yay or nay? Ooh. So that's tricky because so I only drink herbal tea. Um, okay. Because I think I, I think what caffeinate. is meant. Yeah. yeah. I think what is meant is black tea because it right. was uh, posed by uh, Gonzalo More. Yeah. And uh, he lives in London, so yes, yes. That's a thing so there. right. So I'm gonna go with nay because I don't put milk in my herbal tea because that's weird <clears throat> unless it's. Yeah, no, it's just weird. Um, and uh, so, yeah. But although I have had tea with milk in it and it was tasty. Ah, so it's oh, a... Maybe, maybe it is a yay. yay. It's a yay. Maybe, maybe it's a maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's a may. <laughs> <laughs> it's neither yay nor nay. It's a may. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> So there you go. <laughs> there you go. I think that uh, concludes this episode beautifully. Uh, yeah, that's it. All right. Very cool. Well, then, oh. till next week, my friends. Bye. Bye.